let's make a start to our, that's a wee bit loud, we'll make a start to our midweek and sing together 467, when we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way, while we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey.
you just come in, you've got in for the wee bit, trust and obey. And that's the same tonight. No other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Our sister Maureen Connolly's very ill tonight in hospital. Uh, she's <coughs> been in a few days. And as we come to pray, we want to remember Maureen very especially. Tomorrow morning, Donald Fleming will be having surgery. He's been in hospital for four weeks and they wouldn't let him go home until this surgery was done. So we want to remember Donald before the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before thy presence and we still our hearts just now as we seek by the grace of God to bring ourselves to the Lord tonight. We come collectively, we come as the church, as the body of Christ, unitedly in mind and heart, knowing that when even two agree on earth as touching anything, it shall be done. We thank you for the power of prayer, even when the individual prays, but we know that the Lord has put special significance on the public times. And when the church was in need, and when one or more of its members were in need, the church knew what to do, and it prayed, came together. Nothing would stop them from coming to the throne of grace. We think when Peter was imprisoned, when James had been murdered, put to death, and it was likely the same would happen, the Lord's servant Peter, the church met together, and they prayed without ceasing. And Lord, you answered prayer. You intervened. You came wonderfully, miraculously. Peter was delivered and went on to preach the word for many, many years to come. And Lord, we come in our times of need. You know the burdens that we carry. You know all about us, all about our circumstances, all about our families those that are struggling this very night, those that are passing through deep and dark waters, Lord, we commit them to Thee. We remember our sister Maureen, and you know the suffering that she's been in for, for many, many years, and you know her situation just now in hospital. We pray that thou will be near to her We've often prayed perfect that which concerns individuals and we would certainly reiterate that prayer tonight on Maureen's behalf. We pray that you'll be near to her and you'll touch her and strengthen her and help her as you promised to do. Remember Donald as well as he faces this surgery tomorrow. We thank you for the peace that you've given to him in his heart and we thank you that this problem was discovered and Lord, as he goes through this operation, we pray that you'll bring him through it successfully, that those who have responsibility to perform the operation, especially the surgeon, that you will be with him and direct his way. We pray for the work of God here in Balamone. And Lord, our neighbors, the majority of them are out of Christ. And you put a light on this road, a gospel light. And we pray that this light will burn brightly. 
that it will burn brightly every time the church is open for the preaching of the word, but we pray that its members will burn brightly out there in the community when we're mixing with the unsaved. Lord, may they see Christ in us and be drawn to him. Psalm 40 speaks about the new song that the Lord put into the heart of his people and how that many would see it on the Lord rely. And Lord, may our testimony be of that nature. Now there's others gaze upon us and they read our lives. Even though they don't read the Bible, we pray that they will see the Bible in us, that we will be a reflection of God's word, that our life will preach it. And when we get the opportunity to, to share the gospel, give us power, give us authority, take away shyness or fear. Oh, may we be prepared to stand for the Lord and to be a witness for him. So be with us now in this midweek. Guide us through every part of this meeting tonight. Let your presence fill this room and go with every dear child of God that's here for Jesus' sake. Amen. 453, a pilgrim was I and a wandering in the cold night of sin did I roam when Jesus, the kind shepherd, found me and now I am on my way home. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. <clears throat>
Bid you welcome to the midweek tonight. Good to see all who've come. If you're part of the service on the internet, we want to welcome you also, and we trust that you'll be blessed wherever you're from. And we know that we have local people, and we have folks so far away who seek to tune in and be part of Hebron as often as they can. So welcome in the Saviour's name. We have one more school to remember in the morning. Christina will be in Gary Duff taking their assembly. That's first thing tomorrow morning. Friday evening, the Youth Fellowship is at 8 o'clock. Presbyteries in Mulliglass for our elders. And Saturday is the open air in the centre of the town. Saturday evening, there's this special meeting in Lurgan, uh, organised by the Youth Council, combating the cults. <clears throat> and you're invited to go. <coughs> On the Lord's Day, we gather for prayer at 8 o'clock. Rise up, come out and pray with us. Sunday school, 10.30, Bible class, quarter to 11. Worship service, 12 noon. We are going to look at a family at Bethany. And we're in the study in Mark's Gospel, so remember that. Family night is at 7. Dr. Nigel Campbell will be here to give us testimony. We're asking you to share that and make it known. Uh, pictures of grace in the life of a Christian doctor. Supper will be served after the service. <coughs> and ladies, we look to you for the eatables. Maybe get a wee message sent out to you uh, about what, how many steaks are needed, how many portions of chips are needed, or whatever sandwiches or buns that you bring. The offering for the teachers of the Christian school, just to make mention of that, we always do this on the first Lord's Day of February. It's an annual thing, so just remember that on the Sabbath. The next seniors is on the 6th of February. The following night, Margaret will be here for the Ladies' Fellowship. And then the Saturday is a work day. That's Saturday week. And then Samuel will be ordained and installed on the 11th, Sunday week. And the Youth Council is having their 50th anniversary rally on the 16th of February at the Martyrs. And the Mission Board is also celebrating 50 years and there's special meetings organized for that, which will take place uh, in March, the 6th to the 9th of March. Sabbath School Social, the 15th of March. Annual Bible Conference, the 8th to the 12th of April. And Reverend Higginson will be the speaker. When you come in to the meeting tonight, you probably, unless you were really not paying attention, saw two pallets. All right, they're, they're pretty big. You can't really miss them. And I want to thank those that came in uh, to, to pack them. It didn't take that long for a lot of the work had already been done. And initially we had two wee girls helping out. And we didn't know what to do with them, whether to send them to Romania or keep them here. So we got them out and got the pallets packed. And I want to thank the workers that came in to do just that. When I took this photograph, they said, but you're not in the photograph. So we did a wee selfie just to make sure that you know I was there also. We are going to sing again, uh, Melanie 648. This hymn about prayer will come to have our season of prayer together. Uh, later on in the meeting, Jesus, where'er thy people meet, there they behold thy mercy seat. Where'er they seek thee, thou art found, and every place is 
hallowed ground. Think of the words as we sing. Turn with me in God's precious word to 2 Kings 6, 2 Kings chapter 6. I'm going to read from verse 8 through to verse 23. And the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for thither the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him, and warned him off, and saved himself there, not once nor twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing. And he called his servants and said unto them, 
Will ye not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet that is in Israel, telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. And he said, Go and spy where he is, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host. And they came by night and compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, an host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. And the servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. And when they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. And Elisha said unto them, This is not the way, neither is this the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom ye seek. But he led them to Samaria. And it came to pass, when they were coming to Samaria, that Elisha said, O Lord, open the eyes of these men, that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw, and behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. And the king of Israel said unto Elisha, when he saw them, My father, shall I smite them? Shall I smite them? And he answered, Thou shalt not smite them. Wouldest thou smite those whom thou hast taken captive with thy sword and with thy bow? Set bread and water before them, that they may eat and drink and go to their master. And he prepared great provision for them. And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away. And when they went to their master, and they went to their master. So the bands of Syria came no more into the land of Israel. May the Lord bless the reading of his precious word. We word of prayer. Our Father, we thank you for this tremendous history. The things that we learn, especially about our God and the greatness of God in the midst of adversity. Lord, as we come to a passage perhaps familiar to us, let not that familiarity take away from the great truths that are taught here and guide us through this passage and speak to every heart. Give me the help of the Holy Spirit now as I bring the message for Jesus' sake. Amen. The history of the days of Elijah and Elisha never ceased to fascinate me and excite me. These were days of miracles and the mighty doings of God. Miracles did not happen, by the way, in every generation. In fact, few 
are the scattered periods in which miracles did happen throughout the history of the Bible. But Elisha's day was such a time. Elisha was the successor of Elijah, the prophet of fire. He was that man upon whom the mantle of Elijah fell when he requested and he obtained the double portion and God answered that prayer and gave him the double portion of his master. In chapter 6, we have the miraculous defeat of the Syrian army when struck with supernatural blindness. They were led like lambs into the hands of the king of Israel at Samaria. The king of Syria warred against Israel. All his war plans and strategy was brought to naught. Every time he had a secret council of war to decide in what place to make an inroad upon Israel, the coast of Israel, to attack them at their weakest resistance with the greatest of surprise before his forces could receive the orders the king of Israel was informed. How? By spies? Well, that's what the king of Syria thought. Israel's king obtained notification of all the most detailed plans through Elisha, the prophet of God. The Lord made known unto his servant what was being planned, in other words. The king of Syria resented this, suspecting treachery and betrayal among his own officers. He was informed that it wasn't them, but it was actually Elisha. And thus he purposed to seize the prophet. He sent spies to locate the place where Elisha was. He was in Dothan, a city that's not that very far away from Samaria. And so by night he sends a great army of horses and chariots and soldiers to compass the city of Dothan and to bring back the man of God. And I'm sure the order was given dead or alive. Foolish man, those that fight against God and his people know not what they do. By stealth, the Syrian forces surrounded Dothan in the stillness of the night, no doubt prepared to attack them first thing in the morning. Elisha's servant goes out early in the morning. Perhaps he was sent by his master who knew exactly what was happening. Or maybe he heard the noise of soldiers and chariots in the distance or creeping up upon the city. And that's why he went out, to see what was happening. And when his eyes saw the scene before him, the mighty Syrian army spread across the fields and the hills and the valleys that surrounded the city, he was immediately stricken by fear and hastened back to his master with the alarming news. But there was one thing that Elisha's servant failed to see. There was something that he failed to perceive and know. Indeed, a vital reality that was hidden from his vision. And it was at this point of extremity and, and consternation that Elisha prayed that his eyes would be opened. In verse 17, Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man. He saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about 
Elisha. What a mighty revelation when he got his eyes open. Is it not true that what the servant of the man of God failed to see is so often the very thing that God's people also fail to understand today? In our times of deepest dread, fear, and alarm, when the enemy has come in like a flood, it is a fact, they that be with us are more than they that be with them. We have an invisible shield of divine protection. And that's something that we should never lose sight of. And so tonight I want just to talk to you about the unseen chariots of fire. And I want you to notice if you look back at a reading and look at verse 15, the fearful spirit. Verse 15, when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, and host compassed the city both with horses and chariots, and the servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? I want you to picture the scene. I want you to go there to Dothan. And I want you to stand by and, and watch what's happening here. That This man awakens early in the morning in his little room in the city of Dothan, a city with, with narrow streets and small houses built on a hill, 10 acres on the top, 15 acres round about the slopes. And he goes out into those narrow streets and there's hardly a soul about because it's very early in the morning. But he hears a commotion outside the city. And he runs up to the wall and as he stands and he surveys the, the rugged hills below, he becomes painfully aware that all is not well. The glittering spears and the chariots is what met his eyes. And at once he is struck with an awesome fear. The blood drains from his complexion as he turns pale with fright. He runs to Elisha. Alas, my master, how shall we do? In other words, we are undone. We are powerless. We can do nothing against this terrible foe. He felt that all was up. The death was at hand. We can neither fight nor flee. There are two things that he overlooked. And these two things are very important. First of all, he overlooked the revelation of God's word. Had he but studied, for example, David's Psalms, he may have learned not to be so fearful. For example, we read in the Psalm 3, verse 6, I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. That's what he was looking at, wasn't it? These thousands of soldiers round about the city of Dothan that have set themselves about, and he's fearful. But had he read God's word and read a verse like this, I will not be afraid when that happens. He might have viewed the situation a little bit differently. Let me give you one other example from the beautiful Psalm 27, a psalm that is known and loved by us all. And verse 3, though one host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I 
be confident. And there's the host encamped against him and the others of Israel that were within the city of Dothan. Here is war rising against him. And yet, if he just had have known Psalm 27 and was able to think about this third verse, when that happens, my heart shall not fear. In this will I be confident. So he, he overlooked the revelation of God's word. But the second thing that he overlooked was the remembrance of the past. He failed to recall what God had already done through his master. The widow's oil multiplied over and over again. The Shunammite's son was raised to life. There was the healing of the deadly pottage. A hundred men are fed with just 20 loaves. There was the healing of Naaman. There was the floating of the, the axe head. These things. And the servant possess, is possessed with needless fear because he, he overlooked these two vital matters. The revelation of God's word and the remembrance of the past. Let's not judge him too hastily or rashly. Very often the child of God finds himself pressed by needless fear. We fail to look where we ought to have our gaze and we fix our attention upon circumstances and our frightful surroundings. We get our eyes upon the things that are disturbing and we give place to the devil. He, he causes us to be anxious and fearful and cast down and our spirits melt within us. Are we not overlooking the same things that this servant overlooked? The revelation of God's word and also the remembrance of the past what God has already wrought for us. The fearful spirit. But I want you to notice secondly in verse 16 the forthright trust. Let's read the 16th verse. And he answered, that is Elisha, fear not for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Here's a man, and he had his confidence and trust in God. Elisha realized something and had sight of something that his servant failed to see. And so Elisha says, fear not. Blessed and reassuring words these are. No need to be perplexed or despondent. Why? For they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And every child of God to this very present day can know this. A host might rise and threaten to destroy us. Numerous trials may surmount that we feel too weighty and strong. Yet we have those with us who are unspeakably more in number. Mighty angels and powers that are stronger than the strongest enemy. God is infinitely more powerful. Never lose sight of it, dear child of God. When we are compassed about by fears and distress, we need higher thoughts of God to know his mighty power. If God be for us, who can be against us? In times of deep distress, we need an unreserved, unconditional trust in God. Come what may, 
I will trust in him. The battle may be raging, the foe advancing, the conditions worsening, the future alarming and uncertain. But I'm going to trust in the Lord. It's only those that are close to God by prayer and meditation who will possess this same kind of confidence of Elisha. Men of faith are men of prayer. Hezekiah, for example, if you turn over a few pages to 2 Kings in the chapter 18, this king, this godly king had just come to the throne. And you remember when kings came to the throne, there's usually a little summary of the kind of person that they were, their character, testimony is borne by the Holy Spirit. And part of that testimony that the, the Lord bears concerning Hezekiah is in verse 5. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor any that were before him. Here's a man, and his trust was in the Lord. And the Lord's telling us that. The Spirit of God has recorded that for us, that we might know. If you go down to verse 9, came to pass in the fourth year of King Hezekiah, which was the seventh year of Hoshea, son of Eliah, king of Israel, that Shalmaneser, king of Assyria, came up against Samaria and besieged it. So there's this great army now is coming against Hezekiah and the people of Israel. And as you read over the next number of verses through this chapter on into the next, you'll see so many things happening as, as this army advances. But I want you to notice Verse 14 of chapter 19. We're told that Hezekiah received the letter of the hand of the messengers, this threatening letter of what they were going to do in this day of trouble. And he read it. And Hezekiah went up into the house of the Lord. And I just love this little phrase of scripture. It says that he spread it before the Lord. That's what you do in prayer, isn't it? This man of faith, this man that believed God in this time of great need in his life, what did he do? He just went up to God's house and just spread it out there before the Lord and talked to the Lord about it. Think of Job, all the trials that befell him, the darkness that overcast itself upon his life. Do you remember what Job said? Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Well, that's faith, isn't it? Come what may, no matter what the Lord does, even if he takes my life, I'm going to trust him. And David says, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee, and my soul trusteth in thee. Yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. And so the praying prophet felt more confidence than Benadad with all his warlike hosts. Because he was trusting in the Lord. And then there's a third thing to look at in verse 17. We have the fervent prayer. In this time of great anxiety, Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened his eye, the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about 
Elisha. Elisha wanted his servant <coughs> to see what he knew. That there was a mighty invincible force <coughs> of godly protection on scene to the outward eye but realized in the believing soul. There was a day when Elisha's eyes were opened to this remarkable vision. You remember that in 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 9. <clears throat> came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah, this is now whenever uh, Elisha is going to take over from Elijah and the mantle is going to fall upon him, he becomes the, the, the prophet of God. <clears throat> it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. And it came to pass as they went on and talked, that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel, and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more, and he took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. What we read here <clears throat> seems to refer to the angels of God, and particularly to the seraphim and the cherubim. The seraphim signify fiery, and God is said to make them a flame of fire. And cherubim signify chariots. They are called the chariots of God in the Psalm 68, verse 17. And the Lord is said to ride upon a cherub in Psalm 18, verse 10. And so this ties in with, with Ezekiel's vision of the four living creatures, the wheels, like horses and chariots, and also Zechariah's vision of horses and chariots. So this is something that signified the host of God, the great army of God, and that which is around the Lord's people at all times. Elisha desired his servant to have the same vision. You want to notice that those who are strong in faith will tenderly consider those who are weak in spirit and will do what they can to, to strengthen their hands. Not everyone has the same vision. And some have a greater vision than others. But those that have the greater vision, they, they want the others to have the same kind of vision. And not least when it comes to see the greatness of God. Elisha shoots up this fervent prayer to the Lord. Open his eyes that he may see. He prayed for the weaker vessel. The greatest kindness that we can do for the fearful and the faint-hearted is to pray for them. You know, God heard him. And as his servant looked and surveyed that guard of angels round about Dothan's hell, what a sight it was to behold. What a revelation. Chariots of fire, 
horses of fire. Previously, the eyes of his body were, were opened and he saw the danger. But now the eyes of his faith and his understanding were opened and he saw the protection. How we need our eyes opened. We need to see the heavenly host of protection. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. We need a vision of the might and the power of God. How we need to pray for ourselves. And then we need to pray for one another. We live in a day of fear, don't we? A day of faint-heartedness. The mighty forces of hell are marching against the church on every side. We see it. But the forces of our God are far stronger and superior than all the forces of the devil. Satan is a defeated foe. He may appear very threatening at times and cause alarm to the people of God, but he is vanquished. He's defeated. Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He's trying to prevail, but he won't succeed. He won't. What a wonderful outcome in this scene before us. Through the prayer of Elisha, the Syrian host is smitten with blindness so that they couldn't recognize him nor the way in which he led them. And he leads them right into Samaria. And he prays again that their eyes will be opened and now their eyes are open and they realize what's happening. They are humiliated. Treated with mercy they are and sent away in shame. You know, God will bring confusion and defeat to the enemy that rises up against the people of God because no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. That's the guarantee that the Lord gives. And so let us confide and trust in God at all times. That's the message tonight to you, to this congregation, as we see the host of Satan advancing on every hand, just like around Dothan City, this Syrian army came with all their chariots and horses. Let us have our eyes open to see greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And greater is our God than all men. And there's a great army, the host of heaven, that is behind the building of the church of Jesus Christ. And it will be built. And a work will be done. And the great plan of Almighty God will never, never be thwarted. So let's be encouraged and let's go on with God and go through with God for Jesus' sake. The hymn 444, Fear not, I am with thee. Blessed golden ray, like a star of glory lighting up my way through the clouds of midnight. This bright promise shone, I will never leave thee, never will leave thee alone.
Most of these names you're familiar with by now. And we want you to take a look at them and try to remember them in prayer tonight, especially our sister Maureen, who's there in the list that the Lord will be with her in her time of need. Tonight is also the night that we remember the Christian school, so please do intercede on behalf of our school. We have mentioned Donald, who has his surgery tomorrow. The Lord will bring him through it. And we got a little correspondence from Anastasia Sukar, the Anastasia that went home to Ukraine to receive surgery. And she greets you a little about my state of health. I had surgery on my spine on December the 27th, 2023. I have rehab uh, now. My rehabilitation with a physical therapist is active and there are already positive changes, but I have to endure some pain. He said that a lot of rehabilitation sessions are still needed, about six months to be exact. I explained that it was time for me to return abroad, that's coming home here to Northern Ireland, and there would be home training. I plan to return in March to Northern Ireland. Thank you again for all your prayers and support, blessings and good health to everyone. So remember Anastasia, she recovers from her surgery. Continue to pray for the land of Ukraine in the midst of the war and also for the land of Israel. As a congregation, we come to our time of prayer. There are those that have joined us on the internet. We want to thank you for being part of the midweek service. But tonight we say uh, good night to you just now as you leave the service and we have our season of prayer as a congregation. <laughs>